This week's episode of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls, is brought to you once again by the fine folks at Thrive Fantasy Sports app. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Thrive has eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in their respective sports. In the NBA and the NFL, the NBA Finals still going on, NFL Week 5 coming up. For those two leagues, all you have to do is choose 10 out of the top 20 player prop options to build your lineup. If you're doing it for the MLB playoffs, all you got to do is choose 5 out of the top 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. But the more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Now, you're going to use promo code SACK. S-A-C-K, all capital letters, when you sign up and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or the Play Store, or you can visit Thrive's website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Now hit that ish. Sorry, I knew you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. How do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. In this episode of the sack, we have everybody's favorite segment, the mail sack. We've got a recap of a sort of boring, but not so boring week in the NFL. We have a huge week to look ahead to in college football and talk about last week's games. And then we are going to talk a little NBA at the end. I'm recording this on Tuesday before game four tonight, but have no fear. I'm going to be as update, up to date as possible because I will be watching the game tonight and recording my thoughts in the morning before I send out the podcast for this week, so we are going to be as current and up-to-date on the finals as possible. So, sit back, relax, enjoy episode 75. I feel like 75, it, it doesn't get as much love as 150, but 75 of these things, it's still a big deal. As it's about 74 more than I thought I would ever do of these podcasts. So I hope I appreciate you if you have listened to any episodes previously. If this is your first listen, then, well, thank you for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy what you're about to hear on Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. Let's get into it without further ado. Let's open some mail on this week's mail sack. Question one for this week's mail sack comes from Cameron Beck, who asks, where do you currently rank Joe Burrow in the NFL quarterback 
tiers. So I think they're the tiers we need to establish first. I think we have elite, very good, good, not bad, and bad. I am going to put, uh, like, just to give you an idea of who goes in what, I think the elite, you have a Patrick Mahomes, you have an Aaron Rodgers. In the not bad, I think you have... In the, like, very good, excuse me, I think you have, like, the Deshaun Watsons, things like that. I am going to put Joe Burrow comfortably in the middle of not bad. He came in to this Bengals organization already behind the eight ball. With the lack of help they've had on the offensive line, he was already um, going to struggle a little bit. But... Going back to week one, had a solid game. Week two on the Thursday night against the Browns, he threw it a shit ton, but he still had a productive night. Week three, last week, or two weeks ago, excuse me, against the Eagles, he put together a very good game and was had his team in winning positions continu- continuously. Week four, he goes out and he gets his first win. Has a very good day. Um, like I said, obviously gets this team the win. But in the win, Burrow threw for 300 yards, a touchdown, and one interception. Looking at him through the year, though, um, he's got 1,121 yards, six touchdowns, and two interceptions. So not really making a lot of mistakes with only the two interceptions. Is taking a lot of sacks. You could say probably 75% of that's on the offensive line, and 25% is maybe him trying to hold on to the ball, um, try and make plays that just aren't there when he should be throwing the ball away. But that's going to come um, with him. With time, he'll be become better at that. Looking ahead, he does have the Ravens this week. I think that's a very daunting task. But um, I don't think Joe Burrow, is. he's in that not bad thing now just because He's still young into the NFL. The supporting cast around him is solid enough with the weapons, but the offensive line is god-awful. I think when he can, if they can address that, the offensive line needs, and he can get more time, and just obviously the more reps and games he's going to play in, the better he's going to be. I think at... Probably his peak, he's going to be up there in the like very good category. I don't know if he's going to get to elite, um, but he's shown he can progress and grow and learn new systems and everything. So this the sky is not the limit for Joe Burrow, but um, let's just say like one of the tallest trees is like he can definitely get up there and be a very good quarterback in this league for years to come. And the next question comes from Paul Marino, who asks, Why do you have so much confidence in the Rams when they can barely beat the Giants? The Rams played down to their competition this past week. Why do I have so much confidence? Because Sean McVay is a great offensive-minded coach. Their defense is pretty good as well with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. They're in a okay, serviceable group of linebackers. And then their offense... Um, how McVay is able to tailor that to exploit the team they're playing's weakness each week. You could see in the first game against the Cowboys on Sunday night how he really stressed running the ball, and we saw last week how much the Cowboys struggle with the run. Um, and then Goff is not—he's not great. I will say that, but he's more than a game manager, but he's not elite or anything like that. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good of a quarterback he actually is. If you want to point to last week that. They didn't like blow out the Giants. 
They played probably one of their worst games of the year so far, and they still ended up beating the Giants. So that's why I'm still pretty high on the Rams, Polly. The next question comes from Patrick Fulton, who asks, assuming something is possible, will it or will it not? Oh boy, here we go again. Preface this question with this. Going back to college, I used to say everything was 50-50. Either it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. Upon review and new information brought to me, um, everything is not 50-50, but everything is either going to happen or it's not going to happen. So just think about that for a second. So to answer your question, Patrick, assuming something is possible, will it or will it not? I mean, it's either going to or it's not. It's not going to. I mean, as simple as that, what more could you really need? We now look at some other questions. We have one from Paul Marino again who asks, how do you think Justin Herbert is feeling down on himself? I don't think Justin Herbert is probably feeling down on himself. Let's take a look. I know he they come off the loss last week. They lose Austin Eckler as well. But Herbert in that game had the best of his career, 290 yards, three touchdowns. We look at his season stats so far, 931 yards, five touchdowns, three interceptions. So how do I think he feels? I think he feels like he's doing pretty damn good to be his first year in the league, a rookie. Um, Only his going to be his third or fourth game coming up here as well, getting thrust into the starter job after the um, malpractice by the Chargers medical staff. So I don't think he's doing uh, too bad. The next question comes from Michael Bennett, who asks, how is Trent's girlfriend Bailey last name pronounced? So on Tuesday, August 4th, once Bailey or just Trent's girlfriend sent me in one of her questions for the first time. I texted Trent, and I said, is Bailey's last name pronounced Lay-Mun or like Lemon? And I got the answer, L-A-M-E space Ann. So that would lead me to believe it's pronounced Layman. So it's Bailey Layman. Um... If that is not the case, she has not corrected me on this. Trent has not corrected me on this. If that is the case, uh, Bucket, I need you to help me out here and tell me that I'm fucking it up. Because if I am, it's a bad look on my part. We've got a few follow-up questions from Mike Bennett who asks, Which sub-500 NFL team has the best shot to make the playoffs? In my mind and in my prediction, if my prediction for the Super Bowl is going to be right, they got to make the fucking playoffs. It's going to be the Cowboys. I understand their defense is in shambles. After giving up the most rushing yards to the Browns in like five or six years in NFL history. Um, But... Dak Prescott is playing extremely well. That offense is looking pretty good. I know Mike McCarthy comes in and he's not abandoning the run with Ezekiel Elliott, but I would like to see him get more touches. If they can get something figured out on the defensive side of the ball, and if they can stop falling behind early in games and asking Dak to just have these incredible performances, which he has had constantly throughout this year, then I really think it's the Cowboys. You also look at the division. Right now, the Eagles are in first place with a 1-2 and two record, which I know, Mike, that gets you excited. I know you're happy about that. But what I've seen from Carson Wentz, and I mean, hopefully with the uh, 
wide receivers he has coming back with Deshaun coming back and Alshon Jeffrey uh, coming back. And maybe that can boost his like confidence and his production on the field a little bit more. But that offensive line looks suspect at best, if we're going to be honest, Bucket. Um, so I really don't really see the Washington football team or the Giants posing any threat to the Cowboys. And they're really only a game behind in their division right now of the Eagles. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. And then Mike asks, which above 500 NFL team will miss the playoffs? So if you look at it right now, the Steelers are above 500. I'm Going with the Bears. I was going to go through the list of teams that were above 500, but it's the fucking Bears. Nick Foles, again, I'm not trying to attack you, Buck. I know this is, with the shots at Nick Foles, you're one of your heroes for bringing a Super Bowl to the city of brotherly love. I know that's difficult, and I know I just talked about your Eagles as well. But the Bears are not a good offensive football team. They have virtually no run game. David Montgomery is not producing at a level that he should be. Nick Foles, I don't believe, is the answer there. They have the talent at the receiver position with Allen Robinson and Miller and um, a couple, I mean, Jimmy Graham's not totally washed up, but he is kind of, eh, but they have talent at skill positions. But the quarterback there with Foles and Trubisky, that situation is too messy. So I would look at the Bears as one option there. Let's just see if there's anybody else. Um, honestly, everybody else that is above 500, I'm fairly confident to say right now they are going to make the playoffs just because of the division um, and the rest of the teams in them and how that's going to shake out. So, I, again, I'm sorry, but Nick Foles and the Bears, 3-1 and one on the year, they're not making the playoffs. And, again, I picked them at the start of the year to win the NFC North, but Aaron Rodgers is playing extremely well. I'm still not sold on the Packers, but they're looking like the best team in that division, and I don't think the Bears are going to be good enough to win a wild card, even with the addition of the extra wild card team. The next question comes from Bailey Lehman, who asks, how do you think the Patriots offense will do with Cam being out? We saw last night against the Chiefs, they struggled a little bit, especially with deeper throws down the field. A couple interceptions by Stidham and Hoyer there as well. Going to probably lean on the run game pretty heavily against the Broncos if Cam is not able to play. Um, Once Cam comes back I mean that team looks totally different their offense is so much more dynamic they're able to do so many different things um they can be the power run football control the clock team if they need to um as we saw in week one or they can be the high explosive offense and have camp throw the ball all around the field like we saw earlier this year against the Seahawks so I think they're obviously going to regress and struggle a little bit until cams come cam comes back hopefully that is sooner than later the next question comes from Trent Revelette, who asks, what do you plan on naming your first child? I'm hoping to God it's a girl, the first child that I have, so I can name her Penelope Karras and call her Penny and PK. That would just be ideal for me. Trent also follows up with, how do you like to please a woman? I like to make her laugh. I like to make her feel comfortable. Um, I don't like to give off weird, creepy vibes. And um, I like to get a good meal in her. I think 
some laughs over a delicious meal. I think that's how I can most please a woman. I don't like that question, Trent. Don't ask any more like that. The next question comes from Andrew Crum, who asks, Just general TikTok versus Vine discussion. Well, okay. Vine, I miss you dearly. I wish you would come back. I do not like how long some TikToks are. It makes me feel like I've wasted a minute of my life sometimes when there's not a good payoff to a long TikTok. Vine, only six seconds. But I imagine that companies like TikTok more because the longer the ad, the more time and more money they're going to make and more attention that they're going to get from viewers. I don't know. Me personally, TikTok is still good. It's still funny. It's a great platform for people to be discovered and get their name and talent out there. But ultimately, give me Vine, give me six seconds, and I'll be um, pretty satisfied. The next question and our last question comes from, not our last question, excuse me. We have two more. This next question, though, comes from Davis Canapel. What will the Browns record be after eight games and why? So we can look at it now. The Browns are surprisingly sitting at 3-1. and one. They, nor, As a Browns fan, listen, if they beat the teams they're supposed to beat and they lose to the teams they're supposed to lose to, that's normally like a 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight record. But they were able to pull off a bit of an upset last week against the Cowboys. So sitting at 3-1, and one, but they do enter a tough stretch coming up. Last week was the first leg of that, but then they host the Colts. That'll be game four. That'll be game five. Then they ho- they go to the Steelers. That's game six. Game seven, they go to the Bengals. And game eight, they play the Raiders. I think this week, if you can go the next two weeks against the Colts and the Steelers and split that one and one, and you're sitting at four and two after week six, that's pretty good because I think they beat the Bengals. I think they beat the Raiders. So. If we're looking at six and two or five and three, I think that's fairly realistic right there. And two or four games above 500 after eight games is golden. That's probably going to put them near the top of the AFC North. And if not that, um, then they'll probably be right in the wild card discussion. And I think obviously you lose Chubb, but there is still a lot of optimism because you have Kareem Hunt still there, a defense that is taking the ball away and the offense is capitalizing on the turnovers that the defense is able to give. Um, We do need to limit the points that the defense has given up and the yards, but I think the Browns are sort of doing that whole bend don't break thing. Step up and take the ball away and make big plays when they have to, and they've done that, especially this last game. So realistically, I think five and three um, or six and two is something there that if you can go one and one these next couple weeks and beat the Bengals and the Raiders, then six and two. If you end up losing these two games against the Steelers and the Colts, then I think five and three is nothing to be ashamed of either, Dave. And then our last two questions come from Caitlin Zinsmeister, who ask, let's see, what do I think the most underrated, I thought it was overrated, wow, underrated Halloween costume is? Boy, I had my answer for overrated. It's the serial killer one where they just put like um, the like cinnamon toast crunch or cornflakes or something and they carry around a knife. I think that's pretty overrated. Underrated though? 
Jeez. Alright, I have my answer, and I don't know if it's going to be a popular answer, but it's my answer. It's Shrek. Now listen, the outfit and the costume isn't that difficult, but the makeup that goes along with that, you have to pretty much douse yourself in green paint or green makeup or whatever the hell it is the dedication that goes into that and i think if i were to do something like that with how much i would sweat at a halloween party or at the bar and just having green shit just run down my face i appreciate the effort everybody loves shrek if you can do a good shrek impersonation as well i think that only heightens how good of the costume it is and you don't see a lot of people do it that often i know you'll see a quirky girl here or there do it every year and it's going to get played it's going to get laughs it's going to be funny it's going to make for a great photo op as well um so i think shrek is the most underrated and then she follows up with what is my favorite scary movie film to watch around halloween I I'm a big fan and it's actually scary as hell of the Sinister movie. I really like the Saw franchise. Halloween Town 2, um Calabar's Revenge. When I watched it as a child, that was scary as shit on Disney Channel. And then the like Monsters Under the Bed or whatever, that movie with the I I don't know how else to say this, and I'm not trying to be rude, but the African-American man, the actor from Even Stevens, he was the bad guy in it. That scared the living shit out of me as a child when I was watching that on Disney Channel. So I think those four right there are uh, pretty good Halloween movies to get into. And then the last one that I used to be on spike all the fucking time that i would watch in passing but never really like sit down and watch it all is the rob zombie halloween remake that he did i thought that was pretty good and pretty scary as well that concludes this week's edition of the mail sack once again as i always do thank you to all the listeners my friends for sending in questions you all make that segment possible Without you, there is no mail sack, so thank you very much. Let's get right into Week 5 NFL discussion. On Thursday night, we have the Buccaneers going up against the Bears. If you could tell from my answers to Bucks questions earlier, I am out on the Bears. They have a great defense, I understand that, but the quarterback question is too big for me. The Buccaneers are going to win this game, and I'm, I understand... Without Godwin still, Leonard Fournette is still a little unhealthy, but the defense is coming around. Tom Brady's looking very good. I am going to give this out as one of my sack picks. Today, as I record it, the Bucks are a five-and-a-half-point favorite, so get it while it's hot. The Buccaneers beat the Bears on Thursday night. The next game we'll look at, the Eagles and the Steelers. I have the Steelers in this one, and I think they win comfortably. I think the bye week, the early bye week, is good for them. They get Deontay Johnson back from his concussion scare that he had. That offense has been clicking pretty well in the passing game with Big Ben's return. The defense has only gotten better and um, shown that last year that their ability to take the ball away was not a fluke, and they're able to do that again. I think they're able to get after Carson Wentz in this game, force him to throw the ball all around the field, and pick him off 
at least twice in this game as the Steelers defense propels them to a victory over the Eagles. Then we have the Colts going to the Browns. The Colts having a great defensive year, um, being able to stop the run, and the Browns having a great offensive year being able to run the ball. So it's going to be a very exciting matchup to see who, what strength is going to win out. I want to go with the Browns in this one. I There is some concern if the offensive game plan has to go out the window and Baker is forced to throw the ball all around the field and everything like that. He is a little questionable in his decision-making at times and does put the Browns in, um, I don't want to say, like, questionable spots with his decision making but obviously that team goes as far as the run game is going to take them and there's no reason for me to think it's not going to at least be there in some regards this week because they have been so dominant um so far through four games but and I also think that the as I've mentioned in the answer to Dave's question, the ability for the Browns defense to force turnovers is going to be very key. Phillip Rivers is interception prone, fumble prone if they can get after him. So I look for the Browns defense to make a big play late in the game um, and the Browns able to win this one. The next game we have the Panthers and the Falcons. I'm out on the Falcons. I'm out on Dan Quinn. The Panthers find a way to win this past week going up against the Cardinals. Um, They still are without Christian McCaffrey, but Teddy Bridgewater is looking like he was well worth the money that Matt Rule and the Panthers spent on him this year, getting tons of guys involved on the offense. So I am going to go with the Panthers over the Falcons. And then the Bills and the Titans, the Titans coming off, they're impromptu bye week after their scare with COVID. Uh, The Bills coming off the victory against the Raiders last week in a bit of a closer, boring-ish game. Uh, Josh Allen is still looking incredible on the year. Some people's MVP so far. Looking at him, he's got 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns, and only one interception. His progression has been a beautiful thing to watch. Um, Ryan Tannehill on the opposite side, six touchdowns and one interception. It's really going to see how Derrick Henry is able to do against this Buffalo Bills defense, which is extremely good, one of the best units in all of football. I am going to take the Bills over the Titans. I think that Josh Allen is going to be able to make a few more big plays down the field and in crunch time than what Ryan Tannehill is going to be able to do, so I'm going to take the Bills over the Titans. Next, we have the Raiders going up against the Chiefs. I have the Chiefs in this one. I don't think the Raiders are going to be able to score with the Chiefs at all. And the Chiefs just continue. Their offense looks incredible. Andy Reid is able to exploit matchups and get his guys in space and in matchups that he knows is going to be able to win. It's a beautiful thing to watch. It was on display on Monday Night Football against the Patriots, getting guys like Michael Hardman and Tyreek Hill out in space to use their athleticism and speed. I think... That's only going to, more wrinkles are going to be added to this offense as the year goes on. Um, New plays, new situational matchups, things like that. Um, And Patrick Mahomes doesn't look like um, there's any signs of him slowing down at all. So I have the Chiefs over the Raiders. 
Then we have the Cardinals going to the Jets. The Cardinals off two straight losses after opening the season 2-0. The Jets showing a little bit of fight last Thursday night as they did lose to the Broncos. But Sam Darnold looked a little bit more competent. Showed off some wheels with a big 50-yard run. Ultimately, though, I think a big rebound game for Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins in this one. And the Cardinals are able to beat the Jets. The Jets, I do believe um, it's going to be the first time that Le'Veon Bell is going to be able to come back off of IR, so it'll be good for... Sam Darnold not only in the run game but to have a guy that he can check down to as well in the passing game I think that's going to help him a lot Um, I think it's going to help the Jets compete a little bit more in games like this where they're going to have to score a lot of points and move the ball down the field but ultimately I do have the Cardinals then the next game you have the Rams going to Washington to face the football team I think the Rams rebound after a lackluster performance last week against the Giants and they go to Washington. They get the defense gets after Dwayne Haskins and the Rams secure a victory. Then the Bengals go to the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to be able to run all over the Bengals defense and no matter how well Joe Burrow plays, which the Ravens defense sort of gettable. Um, obviously Patrick Mahomes was able to do pretty well against them last week, but Dwayne Haskins was able to have his most passing yards in a game last week. Um, I understand game flow and everything made that where they really had to throw the ball and he was getting a lot more attempts than usual, but, um, I think Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins. So I still think Burrow's going to be able to find some success and his weapons are a lot better than Haskins. So the Bengals aren't going to totally be incompetent on offense and Joe Mixon had his best game of the year last year last um, week as well so expect it to be a little bit closer but I don't think the Bengals defense is going to be good enough to stop the Ravens so I take the Ravens next we have the Jaguars and the Texans I'm going to take the Jaguars I think the Texans getting rid of Bill O'Brien um, not soon enough should have been done as soon as the idea even came across his head to trade DeAndre Hopkins. I think you should have fired him, done an intervention, and committed him to a mental institution. DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson were, was one of, if not the best, wide receiver quarterback combinations in all of the NFL, and Bill O'Brien's dumbass decided to split that up. So... Not soon enough that he could have gotten fired, but I take the Jaguars over the Texans. Next, we have the Dolphins and the 49ers. I'm going to go with, oh boy, if Garoppolo comes back, I'm going with the 49ers. If he doesn't, I'm going to do a sneaky little play here where the Dolphins go and force the upset again. I don't know if, um, what's his face, Shanahan is going to have like a hangover from last week against the Eagles. I think if anything, that loss is going to wake them up. And I think if they get Mostert back and Garoppolo back, which there's still question marks surrounding both of those guys. But I think especially if they get Garoppolo back with how well Kittle played last week, um, that they'll be able to win. But if they don't, and it's a Beathard and Mullins battle, whatever, then I feel pretty confident in the Dolphins being able to pull off the upset. Next, we have the Giants and the Cowboys. I like the Cowboys in this one. A big rebound for them as well. Um, I just cannot see the Giants scoring enough points and their defense and being able to stop Dak or Zeke 
Um, so I take the Cowboys. Next, we have the Broncos and the Patriots on Sunday. I'm going to go with the Patriots, even if Cam Newton doesn't play. I don't know who they're going to roll out there, Hoyer, Stidham, but I think they're going to lean heavily on the run game. I think the quarterback question for the Broncos is enough, and I think the Patriots defense is going to be able to dial up um, enough pressure and force some bad throws and turnovers enough, and the run game and the time of possession is going to be in their favor as well, so I go with the Patriots over the Broncos. Next, we have the Vikings and the Seahawks. I, uh, the Vikings, they should be better than the record indicates. They're not. Kirk Cousins, he's really to blame for that. I mean, six touchdowns, six interceptions. Dalvin Cook, six touchdowns on the ground. No fault of his. The defense has been suspect for the Vikings as well, which they've leaned on heavily in the past with the run game. Um... Russell Wilson and the Seahawks continue to not skip a beat week in and week out. Um, Thought maybe there was going to be a bit of an upset chance last week when they faced the Dolphins, but they squashed that pretty quickly with Chris Carson on the ground and a solid game from Russ. So I'm going to go with the Seahawks over the Vikings. And then we have on Monday night, the Chargers and the Saints. I am going to go with the Saints in this one over the Chargers. I just think that Michael Thomas is due to get back here soon. Alvin Kamara has done extremely well running and catching the ball. Drew Brees, it seems that Sean Payton is adjusting to his limitations on offense. Um, A couple players, Davenport and Lattimore, who missed last week against the Lions, they're going to be back as well. They were still able to beat the Lions and cover. Um... The Chargers going to be without Austin Eckler, who I think is the vocal point of that offense. I think Herbert going down to New Orleans, even without any fans, it's like it's a daunting task to ask against the pressure that the Saints can get and the coverage that Lattimore provides on Keenan Allen and other players like that. So I am going to go with the Saints over the Chargers. We look, and I said my uh, I only gave one pick out. So far, so I'm going to go with the Rams over Washington. The Rams are seven and a half point favorite, and then I'll go with the Panthers. They're a two and a half point favorite. Excuse me, they're a two and a half point dog to the Falcons. So the picks this week: Carson Sacks picks. We have the Buccaneers covering five and a half. The Panthers getting two and a half, and we have the Rams covering seven and a half. Let us now shift our focus to college football, and it is week six of this weird NCAA football season, but up till this point, this is probably head and shoulders above the best week we've had so far. We've got Texas A&M hosting Florida. We've got Virginia Tech and North Carolina, a battle of top 20 Teams. We have the Red River rivalry with Texas and Oklahoma. Both teams coming off a loss there. We have a top 15 matchup of Tennessee and Georgia. We have Alabama and Ole Miss. We have Miami and Clemson. We have Florida State and Notre Dame. We have a ton of good matchups as well. And we have 
To start it off with the two hometown teams, Louisville coming off their bye week, going to Georgia Tech. I think this is a game Louisville ultimately ends up winning. I think the bye week is going to be huge for them to get Cunningham back and healthy a little bit. Sort of hit the reset button on the season after their last two losses to Miami and Pittsburgh. I think we see a fired up, determined group of Cardinals and I think they're going to be able to run the ball um, impose their will a little bit running the ball and open things up in the passing game for Cunningham uh, to have a not a big game but a very good rebound game as well and I think the Cardinals do end up beating Georgia Tech and then we go to Lexington where Mississippi State and that high-powered offense is going to be going up against Kentucky now Kentucky loses last week after a missed field goal excuse me missed extra point to Ole Miss uh cannot put this on the running game cannot put this loss on Terry Wilson we can really just put this loss on Kentucky's defense who going into the year a lot of fans a lot of analysts really thought was going to be a great strength for Kentucky and it is proven through two games to be um, a huge weakness the passing uh, game in the defensive side of the ball for Kentucky has been extremely troublesome. Um, boss man fat has gotten eaten up in coverage. The rest of the secondary as well. Um, I don't know if this is the game you're going to find answers to it because of the style of offense. Mike Leach likes to play where he just throws the ball all around the field, gets guys open quarterback obviously 623 yards the first game against LSU but the one silver lining in all this there does seem to be some weather some rain that could be finding its way into Lexington around kickoff and for the game does that neutralize all of what Mike Leach and Costello are gonna want to do on offense to throw the ball I don't think so I think it does help Kentucky a little bit I mean Kentucky is favorited in this game by two and a half I don't know about all that um, obviously the run game for Kentucky is going to be leaned upon heavily I think it's going to be close but I just do not think that Kentucky is going to be able to get it done I think they fall to 0-3 and I think Mississippi State leaves Lexington they leave Kroger Field with a victory Looking now um, to a few of those matchups I mentioned earlier. Florida going to Texas A&M. Texas A&M coming off the loss last week to Alabama. Again, I told you Kellen Mond was a fraud, and he didn't play that great last week. Kyle Trask already on the year for Florida. Ten touchdowns, only one interception, taking care of the ball extremely well. Pitts, the wide receiver for Florida, looking extremely good. Six touchdowns, 277 yards receiving. I'm going to go with Florida. Their defense is playing extremely well, too. I go with Florida to go into Kyle Field and beat Texas A&M. The next, we have Virginia Tech and North Carolina. I uh, Listen, I just don't think that the quarterback play from... Uh, Burmeister, however you say the guy's name for Virginia Tech, I don't think it's good enough to go into North Carolina and hang with North Carolina. So I go with the Tar Heels 
over Virginia Tech. In the Red River rivalry, I think it's a big rebound game for Oklahoma. Neither of these defenses can stop fucking anybody. It's sad. It's pitiful. Oklahoma, I really like what they have with Spencer Rattler, but the rest of the team, especially on defense, is terrible. And again, you look at what Texas has with Ellinger and Bajan Robinson and a lot of the offensive weapons. It's great, but the defense is terrible. Expect it to be like a 49-47-48 game, but I'm going to take Oklahoma, who is in desperate need of a win here, to get the victory over the Longhorns. Moving on, Tennessee going to Georgia. Georgia last week, Bennett showed at quarterback position, he showed some flashes of brilliance. They were able to beat Auburn last week, was Georgia 27-6. Auburn's offense had no answers for Georgia's defense. Um, Look at that game as well, some stats. Bennett, 240 yards and a touchdown. White, 88 yards and two touchdowns. If Bennett cannot turn the ball over, make plays when he's called upon in big moments, and White and the rest of that offensive game um, can for Georgia can focus around running the ball, which it has so many times in the past with Kirby Smart, who brings in this new offensive coordinator who is going to revolutionize and call different style games and everything. He's, he sort of is. I mean, we look at Bennett. He threw the ball 28 times. Not a ton, but... More than, I mean, what what's expected, I think, for Georgia. So, but again, the defense is extremely strong. Tennessee, um, their ground game with Chandler, 176 yards and a touchdown for the year. Um, I don't know how to say Tennessee's quarterback's name, so I'm going to butcher it here. Um, Gorantano, he's played decent. 449 yards and two touchdowns. If Tennessee is going to have any chance in this one, he's going to have to have a exceptional game, but I just don't see Georgia's defense allowing that to happen. So the Dogs beat Tennessee. Then we move on to Alabama and Ole Miss. Alabama, a 23.5-point favorite. I totally understand why. Um, Ole Miss is an exciting team. They might be able to hang with Alabama for a quarter, maybe a half if they're lucky. But then I think uh, Waddell, Harris, Jones, um, really the big three for Alabama, start to really enforce and impose their will on Ole Miss. Um, I think the defense for Alabama is going to get after Coral Corral. Again, however you say this guy's name for Ole Miss, um, who did extremely well last week against Kentucky's piss-poor defense. Um, He's up to seven touchdowns on the year. Um, But again, I think Alabama's defense is going to tighten up, um, stop the big plays that I think maybe Ole Miss is going to be able to get in the first half, and Alabama pulls away um, in the second half for a win. Then, one of the Saturday night games, you have Miami, 7th in the country, going to Clemson. It's extremely hard for me to buy into Miami. I understand King, though, uh, coming over from Houston, he's looked exceptional. Six touchdowns on the year. They're running the ball effectively as well. Harris for the Hurricanes has five touchdowns on the ground. I think it's going to be close for, again, three three quarters or so, but then I think some costly turnovers, um, maybe a block punt by Clemson, and Trevor Lawrence has a exceptional game along with ETN, and Clemson 
pulls away late for a very decisive win over Miami. And then uh, another nighttime game, Florida State 1-2 and two on the year, struggling with Jacksonville State or Jacksonville last week, going to Notre Dame, fifth in the country. Ian Book, I think, is going to have a massive game. I think Williams on the ground for Notre Dame is going to have a massive game. I don't think Florida State has any answer for what Notre Dame is going to be able to do, and I take Notre Dame big, big in this one. We now get to look at game four of the NBA Finals that took place last night. The Lakers come out on top 102-96. to Some stats from this game. Anthony Davis finishes with 22 points, 9 rebounds. LeBron James with a... It, it just seems like it was an okay night for him, but even an okay night. 28 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, almost a triple-double. But the big story here was the contributions the Lakers got from some bench players. Um, not bench players, but just secondary players, excuse me. Danny Green and KCP been in a slump, sort of, as of late, but... Respectively, Danny Green, 10 points. Caldwell Pope, 15 points. Morris came up big with some rebounds and some clutch threes coming down late. He had 9 points. Kuzma, 9 points. Rondo, only 2 points, but 7 rebounds, some timely rebounds, and 5 assists. And Caruso, as always, showing a lot of hustle and 7 points. And then the heat for them, let's take a look. Jimmy Butler comes into the game with, he has 22 points, bam, out of bio with his return game, 15 points, 7 rebounds. Jimmy Butler almost has the triple-double as well, finishing one assist shy, that's hard to say. Tyler Hero with 21 points, listen, I'm going to keep it simple, I you know how much I respect uh, Heat culture. Spolstra, all of that, but I think, honestly, Friday this series comes to an end. I think LeBron and the Lakers and AD and everybody else on that team just has this mindset that it's the job is not done. They know that. They stress that a ton, but I just think that Friday, the Lakers come out, they handle their business. It will probably be a great game because the Heat just have no quit in them it's extremely impressive to watch but ultimately LeBron AD come out have a one-two punch game sort of that I could see rivaling the Kyrie LeBron game back in the 2017 finals 2016 finals whatever that was where they both score 41 I don't know if it's going to be exactly like that but those two guys are going to go off on Friday, and uh, the Lakers are going to have their 17th NBA championship. But I will say, if LeBron keeps turning the fucking ball over like he has, then there's going to be some issues, and the Heat might be able to steal it, but I just don't think. I think with the extra day off for rest, LeBron's going to be able to take advantage of that, watch some film, look at things, see what the Heat are really trying to do, and he won't be as turnover-prone as he has been the last two games. And Anthony Davis and he just go off, and the Lakers sail off into the sunset as NBA champions. 
That is going to do it for episode 75 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. Once again, thank you for listening. Like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you might so happen get your podcast. Share this with a a friend, family member, anything like that. It helps me greatly. Download Thrive Fantasy Sports app. Use promo code SACK, S-A-C-K, all capitals, and you will get an instant $20 match bonus by them. They have some great contests for practically every sport, I'm telling you. And it's daily, too, so there's new contests every day. So use, once again, my promo code S-A-C-K, all capitals, at sign up and receive an instant $20 match bonus. Thank you for listening to Carson Sack, episode 75. And as we always end here on the sack, we will be Just bought a Cadillac. Just bought a Cadillac.